0: Welcome to Affect Autism. This week we have the privilege of having with us again Maude LaRue, occupational therapist and expert DIR floor-time trainer in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. I am here with my family this week while our son is at an intensive here at A Total Approach. And this blog, the idea came to me because um, a few months back I had some questions about our son's behavior. He's always been a sensation seeker and very upregulated. But after um, Christmas holidays, he seemed to be especially um, more aggressive, which for him is not very aggressive because he's, he's a very gentle child. But he was becoming um, much more upregulated than usual. And he had just had a growth spurt and he was talking a lot more. And all of these things were happening around the same time that he finally was toilet trained. So I was asking Maud, what's going on? And Maud had some wonderful insights for me that I thought would be great to share with our listeners and especially other parents. So thus our blog today: the pros and cons about growth spurts in development. So welcome Maude.
1: Hi everyone. <laughs> Um, I think I want to just kind of start off by saying that um, it's wonderful to have a growth spirit, right? <laughs> but it's also, it's got its downsides from time to time, but it, the downsides are actually good ones. So let me start here. When the child is experiencing developmental delay, the central nervous system is giving him a sort of a feedback into his system that feels in a certain way. So when stress challenges hit the child, he has this one way of experiencing stress. And then when growth challenges hit the child, it feels to the body like it's the same thing. So when this challenge, whether it's good or whether it is not so good, hits the system, the, the, the child turns to what, has, what he tried to do before to help himself. So let's take for instance, let's say that um, you are supposed to, you know, you've been on a diet and you've lost a lot of weight, right? I think that's a common story for a lot of us, certainly for me. And then when stress hits me and I'm like feeling really, really stressed, I want to reach for something that used to always give me comfort. So I might go back to my refrigerator and figure out what is it that I can eat that can make me feel better and that can make me feel less stressed. And this is, so I know cognitively that that's not exactly the best behavior if I want to keep losing my weight. But emotionally, that's where I want to go right now because that's what felt good to my body. And that's where my memory in my body is. So when the child goes through a growth spurt, the same thing happens. They want to revert back to what what used to help me before and made me feel better. And because the system was out of sync, then the system kind of looks out of sync again, even when things have been improving in that specific direction. Hang in there. That's all I can say. It does go away, <laughs> and it does, it does move away after a while. But that is a typical growth spur. Think about a terrible twos. And you know that it looks very cute when they're two years old, right? But you also know that, boy, can this stage just go past? But do you ever think that that's an regression or do you think that's going backwards? No, we all know that terrible twos are important for growth and that we do need to go through that to get growth. It's when I separate from my parent to become my own individual person and I want to boss you around like I feel like you're bossing me around, right? And then those beautiful power struggles come about. But so these growth spurts are important. So parents often look at me when they go through these things and they say, ah, I can't believe I'm dealing with this again. And I'm saying, hang in there. And I I always wink at them and I say, I'm kind of happy it's happening because I know a growth spurt is on its way.
0: And, you know, Maud, we've experienced this a few times now over the past uh, bunch of years since our son's diagnosis where, you know, you almost panic because you think, oh, we've made so many good strides And here we are again, back at this behavior, you know, he's hitting again, he's licking again. And, um, you know, that really made a lot of sense to me when you said that's, that was his, um, way to self-regulate or at least to help himself feel like he was gaining some kind of control over something that felt unpredictable. So, um, the key, I guess, is not only to be patient as a parent, but also to recognize that this is happening. And I would say, third, instead of getting triggered yourself as a parent, to really keep in mind that co regulation piece that DIR offers us and really try and think of yourself um, tuning into what the child's experiencing, helping them get through it by sort of meeting them where they're at and, you know, just saying, oh, I know. This feels this feels funny, doesn't it? You're really frustrated right now. I can see that you're frustrated. And even just being beside them, not even necessarily talking, but just helping them through difficult times, and that can be really hard when we're stressed out ourselves. But I think again as I've said many times in this blog, when we wear the lens and see things through a developmental perspective, as opposed to behavioral behavioral um, focus, then we understand that this child is struggling as opposed to he's being a jerk, he's doing this on purpose to bug us um, and really have more empathy for the child.
1: That is so right, Daria. And I think that what really makes my heart go out to parents is that when these things, when the behaviors happen, the parents feel like that's all I have to go by. That, that's my eyes on my child. This is what I see. This is what I experience. And this feels awfully like what I was two years ago. And I thought I was beyond that. And I think the, the, the big thing to understand is that, especially when it comes to sensory regulation, is that we carry our sensory regulation with us for the rest of our lives. It never quits. When I get up in the morning, I'm regulating my system. When I drink my first cup of coffee, I'm regulating my system. When after lunch I'm at a long seminar and the guy's particularly boring, and I go and chew on something, I'm regulating my system so I can stay alert. We all keep using our regulatory system for us to remain functional. And if that regulatory system is out of whack... It means that when I experience something that's a little bit foreign to my body and a little bit different, and even though it might be a good positive thing, I don't know that. In my body, it feels like it's the same thing. So I'm going to revert back to that same thing to see if I can regulate myself. The good news is is that as this skill that is now developing is growing, the periods and times for them to push back into the older behavior become shorter. And then you have a longer period where things are looking really a okay and then you might have a short burst again of that behavior returning. Know that this is part of the child, what we call consolidating his system. And and the periods of stimulation is great, like Daria being here for an intensive. So this is a huge period of stimulation. But actually, in fact... After they leave here, the period of consolidation is almost more important because that's the time when he has to go back to his structure, to his function, to his school, to his everyday life, to getting up in the morning, getting dressed and he has to now apply the stimulation to adaptive behavior and that can go up and down. Um, it's, It just never is a smooth sailing ride as we would li- wish for it to be. And for us, as adults, we look at goalposts and we say, okay, I want to finish this project by Friday. So this X, Y, and Z is what I have to do to get this project done. So I can forecast the future. I can see at 10 o'clock on Friday, I'll be able to hand in the project. And I can plan that. The child is living in the moment. This is my moment. This is the way my body is feeling. And this is where I'm going to respond to it. He's not thinking about the fact, hey, boy, I've come a long way. I'm not supposed to go back there. He's not thinking with his frontal cortex. He's thinking with his limbic brain. Where I am right now is where I'm responding and where I'm using my adaptive response. Until over time, the skill becomes more consolidated and he doesn't have to revert back to that again.
0: Yeah, this is a great supplement to um, the podcast I had with Dr. Glavinsky a few weeks back where he talked about um, you know, this emotional, uh, emotional, the, the nervous system or, or the limbic, limbic brain driving behavior. And they may know in their head certain things, but in that moment, those emotions take over. And I think that's another point, another important point we have to really drive home is that, yeah, it, our child isn't thinking, oh, I know this rule, I know this rule, I know this social norm and this thing that I'm supposed to do in that moment, they're just trying to calm their body in the best way they know how and that's all they can do and we have to be there to support that as opposed to fight it (laughs) because it's very easy for us to want to say, stop it, stop hitting your sister or brother, stop, stop kicking, you know better And, and yeah, you know better is a big one because you know, sometimes... Uh, certain, you know, you, you just think this this can't be the case that they don't know what they're doing. They know better. But in fact, regardless of whether they know better or not, in that moment, they have no control over what's happening. Uh,
1: something is coming to my mind as she's speaking right now. You know, have you ever felt kind of that you are speaking to your husband and he doesn't understand what he's what you're saying or you're speaking to your wife? And he does, and she doesn't get what you're saying, and you're getting upset, and you say something that you're sorry about tomorrow, right? We've all been there. We still do that as adults. Now think about kids living like that every day. They don't think about tomorrow. They just think about the moment, and that's why those pre- moments are precious because each one of them gives us a little opportunity to gain ground, to gain access, to use that as a teaching opportunity and to simply stay with the child and say, hey, buddy, I get that this is pretty upsetting. I get that you're mad. And sometimes I look at a two-year-old and I just stomp my feet and I say, I am mad simply because I want this child to feel, I know, I know, I get it. I know that we get mad. And also, when you're in this kind of moment where you're upregulated and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, to match the child is probably the, the best thing that you can do. Because think about when you're discussing somebody with somebody that you trust. And you think about, I'm speaking to this person about this problem because I trust that they will get me. That's the same thing with your child. When he gives you a behavior, when he gives you an upset moment, he's giving it to someone that he is thinking will get it. Will understand what it is that he's going through, that he could release the pent up energy the pent up upregulation to somebody that's going to say i get you and i'm going to hold you i'm going to be there for you i'm going to anchor you and i'm going to be your secure base and again back to that quote by dr greenspan
0: it, the best thing is to be understood to feel understood by another person and you know our son is It's so cute the way he does it when he gets really frustrated or hears a limit that he doesn't like. He says, bang, bang, clang, clang! <laughs> that's his, <laughs> his way of dealing with it. He screams, bang, bang, clang, clang! And um, I, I I think it had to do... I think it was his pa, his grandfather, that um, helped him verbalize that one time when he was trying to fix something that was broken. And so now he uses that for everything when he gets frustrated. Bang, bang, clang, clang! And so that's a signal to us that he's overwhelmed Um, And, you know, this really puts a challenge on us, the parents, because we're really expecting our children in the moment to know better and control their behavior. Yet, isn't it us who is having the problem controlling our behavior when we're reacting to outbursts of our children? We really should know better and know that this is the child, we're the adult, and we don't have to be emotionally triggered by it. And you know, you could you could go into a whole realm of psychotherapy options here for, for parents of why we get triggered by certain things and based on how we were raised. But it really is important and a challenge for parents and I really do encourage all parents to revisit the sensory processing profile and even do it yourself. For instance, um, one of the things that relieves my stress is, like, cranking the loudest, uh, like, electronic techno-heavy music and just listening to it. That actually calms me down. Now, a lot of people think, oh, my goodness, no wonder there's all these school shootings to this kind of music. <laughs> it, it's so aggravating. That actually calms me down. So everybody has something different. I guess I'm a sensory seeker, too, <laughs> like my son. But... um I try not to do the listening to music uh, around my son, of course, (laughs) but um, actually I I really don't have a chance to listen to loud music much anymore except if I'm driving by myself. But I encourage parents to look through that sensory processing profile and see what it is, whether um, what different things you use to help yourself regulate and then notice that because if you recognize it in yourself, you can start to notice it in your children. And then you're more able to support them through these different challenges that come about. And again, just to reassure parents out there, we've now seen um, a number of developmental leaps in our son. And each time it's, um, you know, right before that that growth spurt comes all of these behaviors and regressions. And then, whew, he's, you know, plummeted up to the, the next uh, or. Plummet's probably the wrong word. Um, he he's, seems to have plummeted back and then he shoots up to the next developmental level and, and we're just amazed. And um, so hang in there is, is true. But one last question, I guess, is how do parents know if some kind of behavioral outburst is a result of a growth spurt and an upcoming developmental leap or if it's another problem, and and we could go off on a tangent here because I know um, there, I know um, the Floor Time Center recently posted a, a video about how kids can have regressions based on things that happen, like maybe they're being bullied at school, or something's changed in their environment, different family members coming and going, and that can cause regressions. So that. That's another possibility, but just sticking on the growth spurts here, if if there is no other um, factor that jumps out immediately, like the routine seems the same, there's no bullying or any other thing stress going on at school, how do you know if it's just a growth spurt or behavior?
1: That's a very loaded question, so I'm going to give you a couple of guidelines. Okay. So the first guideline is make sure you have a team that knows development around you that you can bounce off ideas about what's happening with a child. The first thing Daria does is she emails me, and I've, I'm sure she emails a lot of other people at the same time, and she gets her information, and then we can all concur that this may be a gross bird or not. So it's just so important that you have developmentalists on your team that knows development, um, and that will help. The second thing is, as Daria has already posted here now, is to look at what else is happening in his life. Is it just that he's coming off a high stimulation period? Is there some change? Is something different? And you know what, sometimes it could be the smallest of differences. And sometimes it could simply be that there was an hour in the day where there was a substitute teacher in the room and the regular teacher wasn't there to anchor him or her, um, it just- Or this, he had a hole in uh, his sock. That's right, a very <laughs> could be such a small thing. So the first thing to do is to do investigation. You know, don't assume regression. And by the way, the central nervous system, quite frankly, cannot regress in terms of what the nervous system can do unless there's blunt force injury to the brain. Just in science alone, you cannot make something, a a nervous system slow down speed. You can, for periods of time, put a veil over it because anxiety can certain, certainly veil some of my higher skills. Um, stressful moments can certainly veil my higher skills. So for a temporary period, you can subdue the skill. And especially think about a toddler when they start walking for the first time. They may have started talking before they toddled. But when they start walking, they almost stop talking for a while. Because now they're focusing on walking. So think about, th- these are developmental golden nuggets that is so uh, important to understand that sometimes when my child is working on one skill, something else might give. And that's a, the that's a third thing I want you to look at, is look at what else is the child working on that's improving so that this is the give on the other end. This is the, the give for a time period until the new skill is under control and the child can pull back in the skills that he's had before as well. So I know I'm not giving you a conclusive answer, but maybe just a couple of thoughts to ponder.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And um, one thing I just wanted to clarify before we wrap up is you mentioned period of stimulation. So our son is here at a total approach, and he is receiving DIR. Uh, floor time each day and for 10 days uh, minus the weekend and occupational therapy and tomatis listening therapy so that's what Maud means by a period of stimulation
1: but what else could a period of stimulation be that you might be talking about it could simply be a change into a new part of his program so it could simply mean that he's changing from one part of the curriculum and math to a new part of curriculum and math that's challenging his brain in a different way. Anything that's new and novel to the brain is stimulation. And we know our kids do not enjoy new and novel, right? They would love for things to stay the same, but that's not exactly going to help them to grow. So anytime that you can determine a new and novel period in his life that he's learning something new is a period of stimulation. Great. Well,
0: Um, I want to thank you for being with us again. Uh, I think that was very helpful to parents. And um, if anybody has any comments or questions, feel free to put them in the comments below. And until next time, here's to affecting autism.